Welcome to the Dr. Funk Podcast. On this episode, joining us in the studio for part one of a two-part interview is Andre Simone. And now, wearing clear plastic pants, here's your host, Dr. Funkenberry. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Dr. Funk Podcast. Thank you guys so much for subscribing to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Make sure to tell your friends about us. Thank you for the donations. There should be a donation link on the profile that you clicked for the podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, the one and only Andre Simone, promoting his new record, 1969, and telling us about stories with Prince. What's going on, Andre? Man, a little bit of everything, man. Now, this past weekend, uh, you played at the Sayers Club. You did yeah. a few songs set, and then you brought back the Dance Electric. I did, yeah, I did, uh, because it was the last time. Um, it was part of the reason why I played the club is because it was the last time me and Prince played together was at right. uh, that particular club, and that's the song we played. You know, he, you know, asked me to come down. I came down, and and the, I, you were there. You know, he uh-huh. asked me to um, uh, play Dance Electric, and I'm like, I don't really remember <laughs> the lyrics. He said, Don't worry. We got a, a a teleprompter. I was like, what? So you did get a heads up on it that he'd want you to play that night. It wasn't just super impromptu. I don't think so, yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, no, I don't think so. I think he just, you know. Because how I saw it, he saw you and he was so happy to see you, gave you a huge old hug. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the next thing, you know, we're watching the show, we're sitting back against the booth. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, like, Prince just whispers in Andy's ear, give me your guitar, give Andre your guitar. And all of a sudden, I just see Andy, yeah. the guitar, yeah. just, and then you just get up on there and you're like, okay, I guess we're yeah. doing this, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, he came and asked me if, you know, he's, if, you know, um, if I, you know, he said, man, you want to go do that dance electric? And I was like, and that's when I was like, I, said, I, I was like, I don't know the words or that. You know, I was just whispering <laughs> it to him because I didn't want to, you right. know. He was like, don't worry about that. <laughs> we <laughs> like, got it. Yeah. So it was fun, though. All right, so that was like the last song you played with him. Let's see if we can remember. What was the first song you ever jammed with him? Let's Ooh, go back. Um, wow. Yeah, you're going way, way back. You know, well, mm-hmm. when we first hooked up, you know, obviously, um, mm-hmm. when uh, we, you know, when we met and we were like, you know, and what do you do? I play this, I play that, and I play that. And right. We were going back and forth and you're talking about what each one of us played. And so he said, well, you got to come to my dad's house and let's jam. And I was like, yeah, uh-huh. let's do it. So we go over there. Um, he was playing the piano, and his dad had a little um, um, a little four-string guitar. Like, you know, I don't mm-hmm. know what it was. It wasn't a ukulele. It was a little bigger than a ukulele. But, you know, so right. I was jamming on that. And, you know, he's playing Man From U.C.L.E. And I was playing, but more than anything, I was listening to him because I was like, this dude is good, you know, because I'm uh-huh. like, you know, I, he was, this is one of the first times... I met somebody who was actually as into music as I was. Right. And he was actually really good. And I was like, you know, because usually when I, you know, people say they play music, they, they they don't really play music. Right. And so at that point, you know, we so we just wound up just jamming. We were jamming on Man From Uncle and just, you know, he was playing and just jamming in, you know, just in the key right. of D or in the key of A or in the key of E. We were just doing what we did. And then we're like, you know, then we're like, when we'd finished, we just like, Dude, you're good. Dude, you're good. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we should start a band, you know. And right. That's just how it started. How old were you guys then? Maybe 13. Wow. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. 
Yeah, we were really young. 13 people were going through puberty. You're like, hey, let's start a band. No, we, I was serious and he was... You know, it's interesting awesome. when I think about it because, um, you know, I was always that kid with, you know, the whole, you know, let's don't talk about it, let's just do it. Mm-hmm. And he was that kid that was knew what the it was. You know? <laughs> right. and it was a, it, it's a very interesting combination to have those two things come together. I think that um, was really, really, you know, had a lot to do with a lot. And around that time, like Prince was having a hard time with his family life and everything. Nothing was really stable. Then he ended up living with you at one Mm. point, correct? And that all happened with with your mom. She allowed it. How did that all come to be? Like, yo, man, you you need a place to stay. I got you. Or (laughs) no, 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 no. (laughs) You know, you know. I mean, I'm sure people have heard this story, but you know, maybe they haven't. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But um. You know, uh, how do I say this? Uh, you know, I, my family came from a different part of Minneapolis, like the the, the very rough neighborhood. And so, you know, um, and then my mom got a, you know, she went back to school, got an education, mm-hmm. got some money, was able to move our family out of the projects, you know, mm-hmm. into a, um, like a kind of upper middle class black neighborhood, which is where, you know, Prince's family and, you know, all those guys lived. Right. But, um, but me coming there and the way that, you know, the element that I brought, um, mm-hmm. no, nobody's family, nobody wanted their kids hanging around with me. I was like that kid that was like, mm-hmm. you know, like, we don't want you hanging around that kid. He's from the projects. He's bad news, blah, blah, blah. Wow. You know, um, and it was kind of that kind of thing. And, you know, um, and so his mom eventually forbid him to, you know, to hang out with me. She was wow. like, you know, you can't, you know, I mean, he's, you know, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, I, I had a flashy bike that didn't make any sense. And, and sometimes she'd see me driving a car. Mm-hmm. That didn't make any sense because I was like thirteen, you know. <laughs> it was like, in fact, I might even been twelve by that at that point, you know. I'm, who knows? Right. But I was really super young, and and I was into a lot of uh, extra extracurricular activities, and uh, so mm-hmm. I mean, really, it wasn't just Prince's family. It was you know Terry who lived next door to me, Terry Jackson. Right. His father didn't want him hanging around with me, and you know, pretty much anybody, you know, every time I would meet somebody, it was like. You know, it was like, so I was kind of, you know, I've always been kind of a loner, but, you know. Um, but he ran away, came to the, you know, said, listen, you know, because we'd started hanging out at school and stuff right. like that. And then he finally just ran away and was like, can I, you know, live with you guys? And I'm like, it ain't my crib. This is my mom's crib. And it's right. fine with me. It'd be great, you know, but you got to talk to her. And they they talked and, and those two got really close. And then he just came in and. You know, first we were living in this, we were in the same room. Like, uh-huh. wasn't really much bigger than this, to tell you the truth. Wow. But, this uh, isn't you know, too big. His bed on this side, my bed on that side. A little bit of space in between, but um, right. that was pretty much it. And then uh, once we realized that, it wasn't going to work. Um, he moved to uh, to the basement, and I moved to the attic, and then we gave my sister now, that room. The story is that you guys, you guys were friends, but you guys couldn't get along living in the same room. Hmm. Was there really, like, tape? put a cross to separate your guys' sides. Yeah, yeah, would you, that's, I must have said that somewhere, because, yeah, absolutely, I'm the one who did it, because, yeah, it was, he was really neat. You look neat, too. You're dressed up. You're always dressed with style. I've never been a slob. (laughs) Right. You know, but but when it comes to the room, yeah, when it comes Uh. to the room, it's like, you know, my clothes would be all over the place. He'd be, you know, I mean, maybe, you know, when I looked at his mom's house, his mom's house was immaculate, Uh. you know, um, and so, I mean, it, I, I couldn't understand why he'd really want to live, 
you know, to go from there. Because, I mean, he had a piano in his bedroom, uh-huh. a p- pool table, you know, um, and we were just freeform, you know. Right. And it was just kind of, you know, maybe that's just freedom. But, no. um, yeah. Did the friendship get better when he moved to the basement and everything else? Because I know it must have been difficult living. You had your own room to yourself, and now you have someone else living there, regardless of their size. Was the friendship better when he moved to the basement with you, with you guys? You know, I don't think the friendship ever changed. You know, uh-huh. from one, you know, from that. I mean, we, you know, we we always had a very interesting kind of thing to begin with. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, it wasn't like that. I think the only thing that you know just changed is we just had the freedom to sort of do our own thing. You right. know, so he went down there and he was able to do his thing, and I was up there and I was able to do my thing. And right. you know, because um, I was a little more tech savvy. You know, I used to take record players apart and put them together again, um, that kind of thing. So I was able to build sort of little systems. So I built him a little system. I had myself a little system. Wow. You know, of just, you know, where you could, you know, um, uh, you know, play music and have a vibe, you know. Right. Then you guys maybe were in the band together, Grand Central. Mm-hmm. Now, who was all in that again, just for the people that are needing a refresher course and all this? Well, originally... Um, uh-huh. Originally, it was just, uh, um, well, it depends on which, <laughs> which incarnation. Because uh-huh. Grand Central was just, it was originally me, Charles, my sister Linda, and Prince. Oh, right. and we, uh, well, originally. And then Terry uh-huh. Jackson, then William Dowdy. And that became Grand Central. And then, um, you know, me and Charles you know, had a couple of issues. And, and, and uh-huh. Morris kept following me around and asking me about, you know, telling me how great a drummer he was. Mm-hmm. And uh, and eventually, you know, I wound up going and, and hearing him play. He actually um, played to, I think it was What Is Hip, some Tower of Power. Mm-hmm. He said, man, you got to come to my crib. You got to come to my crib. So I finally went to his crib, and he blew me away. And I was like, dude, you got to come to where we rehearse. I want the rest of the guys to hear you. Right. So he came and blew them away just like he blew me away. And, I mean, I felt bad because Charles obviously was Prince's cousin, uh-huh. Um, and, and Charles was still my friend. He's still my friend to this day. Right. But, you know, um, and, you know, we, we had a few issues at the time, you know, I think that, you know, because Charles was older than us and uh, he was, um, you know, our leader. But, you know, there was just some things that, you know, we just, you know, we, we had a, a few issues with. And, you know, I mean, so, but, you know, Morris... Right. It was just, uh, you know, and, you know, not to say that Charles wasn't an awesome drummer, because he is, he still is. He was right. in, was, you know, it's just, you know, I just think that, you know, we sometimes personalities clash and, you know, and things change, you know. Now, were you guys, after you were well rehearsed, whenever were you guys playing any functions, like high school dances or anything like that oh, yeah. at all? All that kind of stuff. You, I mean, uh-huh. you know, I, I think our first thing was a talent show, um, you know, and then, uh, then we wound up doing our first gig, the talent uh-huh. show. You know, we did a couple of talent shows, but, um, um, and then, uh, then our first gig was, I think, at the People's Church. Where we actually got paid. You know, they gave us like, right. I think we got $3 a piece or something like that. Wow. Yeah, I mean, and, and we literally walked across the street. Uh-huh. And I mean, I, Prince probably saved his money, you know, knowing him. Uh-huh. I just, I, for some reason, I just thought it was, it was like symbolic to just spend it. Mm-hmm. So all three of them dollars I spent right at this little grocery store across the street, and I bought three dollars worth of Mr. Good bars and just you know because that was wow. like my favorite candy bar of the moment and, and uh, lived it up. Yeah, lived it up. Now, especially with what you're feeling with the 1969 album, mm-hmm. 
how much were you feeling what's going on today? How much were you feeling back then? And seeing how frustrating is it that you're maybe not seeing things change when you're in from Minneapolis and now you're in LA and you're seeing this stuff on the news and it's still the same stuff that you're dealing with as a teen. How is that hitting you? you know? it, it, it's, 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 I think it's probably the most impactful thing for me right now because it really breaks my heart because I just, you know, I really think that we should be so far further evolved as, as a culture. Right. And I think the reality that people seem to, you know, miss is that we got to do it at some point. You know, it's got to happen. Right. Nobody's going anywhere. It ain't like people are going to disappear or some spaceship or some boat is going to come and take somebody away or anything. That's never going to happen. Right. So we're either going to have to get along, sort it out. And, you know, I think, you know, people who have money and people who have, you know, this position, somehow or another, you know, I think they, they have to have somebody to feel like they're above you know, and, and that's sad. That's tragic. And right. that needs to end because, you know, you, you can have the, the, the dopest car, you can have the dopest house. But if you feel threatened driving to that dope mm-hmm. house in that dope car because somebody might bust you upside the head because they want a little bit of what you got, then maybe you should rethink that whole thing. You know, because right. maybe you got more than enough and maybe you can, you, you can, you know, do what you can do to help somebody else. Because I just think, you know, I think our culture— needs to change from really from the mm-hmm. bottom up. I, I think if you look at, you know, the movies that people are putting out and how they're putting in, putting it out and, you know, how they've painted, you know, certain cultures into this corner mm-hmm. and, and cultures adhere to that. You know, I mean, they go along with Hollywood painting images of themselves and caricatures. And I just think it's got to stop, you know, and so right. I'm going to put all my energy, you know, everything that I can do creatively <clears throat> You know, and that's making films because I want to make movies, you know, and that's, you know, um, you know, obviously making music and singing songs and dedicating them and doing whatever I can do because, you know, obviously did the song for Trayvon, did the song for voting. You know, I've done the song uh, for, you know, Hot Night in the Neighborhood, which was actually originally written for Michael Brown. I mean, I've just done, you know, I've tried to do a lot of things and to be involved way, way, way back when, you know, before other people were kind of thinking, oh, it was in fashion, you know, and for some people it's in fashion for a minute. But I think you got to be, it can't be in fashion for a minute. It's got to be part of your DNA because if you want this thing to evolve, if you want to see your future and a better future for your kids, grandkids, blah, 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 you got to get involved. Otherwise, you can, you know, this isn't a thing where you can be a bystander. Like they say, it's it's not a spectator sport. You got to get involved. Now, did you think as a teenager being in this band, everything going on with Prince, that you'd still, at the age you are now, still having to deal with this stuff or having to hear about it. And it just seems like it's happening more. I don't know if it's just because it's getting reported more and we're paying attention more, Well, but it seems like it's happening more. I think it's, you know, that's the thing. I think it's always happened. Mm-hmm. I think the difference, obviously, now is you have cell phones, mm-hmm. you have technology, you have internet, you have Facebook, you have just... You know, so many outlets, you have YouTube, you have everything for people to be able to see what's going on. And it has forced police officers to have to wear body cam, which, you know, somehow or another, they still don't get right. They think somehow, you know, they can still just, somehow they can just lie on camera, but they get away with it. And so it just, you know, I mean, again, you know, it goes back to, you know, watching that birth of a nation thing where, you know, back in those days, they could just get away with just doing anything and there's no accountability. 
Right. And it's no different now. And I just think, unfortunately, you know, um, people really got to get involved because I, I just don't want to see it, you know, just, you know, descend into this bad place where people just start going, you know what, you know, it ain't worth it. Nothing is worth this. You know, my life isn't worth anything. My, my, you know, where we're going, where we're headed isn't worth anything. I don't care. It's, it's what's going on in the Middle East and what's going on with Muslims. And, you know, you force people, you push people enough. At some point, they're going to say, you know what, I'm going to make your life really, really uncomfortable. Hmm. And if that's what, the way you want to live, because I don't, you know, I don't. I love everybody. I'm not, you know, I'm like, you know, I, I can see how the world could be a beautiful, amazing place. We're lucky to be where we're at right now. Right. You know, and I'm just saying, you know, if you want the you, the world and your life to be comfortable, then you got to make sure that everybody else is good. You know, right. you can't just be, oh, I'm, I'm good, you know, and I'm just over here and it's all good over here. No. At some point, people are going to go, you know what? You're comfortable, but I'm not. So I'm going right. to make life uncomfortable for you. So people need to understand it's that simple. It's mm-hmm. not complicated, you know, but if you look around what's going on in the world— People in other countries right now aren't comfortable, you know, and right. and I just don't want to see us descend into that kind of a reality. Because you know, once crazy. it takes hold, that's going to become the norm, the new norm. Yeah, it is crazy. We don't want that. Then nobody's safe. Evolve. Yeah. That's what we have to do. We got to evolve. Yeah. Now, going back to the days of a teenager and whatnot, playing with them and $3 spending on Mr. <laughs> Goodbar. Didn't Prince have this attitude, I think you were saying in an interview, where he's like, kind of fake it till you make it. Like, he was actually put in the mindset that he's going to be a star. So he wouldn't go into certain places, like in a 7-Eleven with y'all, or things like that. It was never a fake it till you make it, though. I don't, I don't, okay. I don't, I don't know. Well, like, yeah. just that he's going to be a star in his mind, he's going to make it happen. Well, I think, you know, in order for anybody to be successful, but, you uh-huh. know, I mean, definitely, it's, you know, it wasn't like he, you know, was like... uh I'm a star and, you know, and I'm going to, you know, but we'd always talk about one day we're going to be, mm-hmm. we're going to make it. One day we're going to be, you know, superstars. We, that's, that was just as we were walking and eating our apple pies and our Mr. Good bars and whatever else, you know, <laughs> we were always talking about one day we're going to do this. We're going to be, you know, um, you know, we're going to be on stage with this group and we're going to blow this group away and we're going to, that's just right. was our common banter. Um, and, uh, you know, so, but I just, I think what you're talking about is there was one particular time where, um, you know, he had asked me because, he, you know, I'm, I can tend to be a little outgoing and, you know, I talk to people and blah, 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 blah. He's a little right. more laid back and kind of shy back then, you know. Um, and, you know, one particular time I'd, we'd gone to the 7-Eleven and I'd gone in and, you know, um, there was a guy behind the counter or whatever and we were talking and laughing, you know, and I'd, you know, probably crack whatever joke I cracked and do what I do, you know. And it's mm-hmm. when I came back, he's like... You know, what did you say to that guy? He just started cracking up. And I was like, man, I don't even though I was just talking shit and blah, 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 blah. And uh, he said, you know, one day we're not going to be able to do this anymore. I was like, do what? He's like, go in stores. And, you know, I was like, why not? <laughs> I was like, because we're going to be too famous for that. And I was like, wow, okay, well, I don't want to get that famous because I want to always be able to go in the store right. and not have to be, you know. And I never really thought about it like that, you know, because— I just, you know, um, I mean, I, I guess that's part of the reason why I left Minneapolis because it did get like that. I couldn't mm. go anywhere. I mean, one, some, you know, I was I was out to dinner once at this place called Nankin, and some woman saw me there and just literally handcuffed me 
And I was out with another woman. What? Handcuffed me, and so now I got to deal with her. You know, so, you know, it's stuff like that. I mean, and just, I mean, I, you know, people, I would leave my apartment. I had right. a place in, um, in Edina, and when I would walk out the door, there'd be women somehow or another. I don't know how they got there, but they'd be outside my apartment door asleep. And I'd be like, uh, who let you in? You know, right. Well, I, I had to talk to the security guard, and, you know, uh, he, he let me in. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, he ain't going to be there next time. So, right. yeah, it, 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 it just got to be a little too crazy. And then I, I was like, you know what? And my record company didn't want me to do it because they were like, well, why would you want to be a small fish in a big pond when you can be a big fish in a small pond? I'm like, I don't want to be in any pond. Right. I just want to be able to just, you know, live my life and, and do whatever I need to do. So And still have privacy. Exactly. Now, when, because obviously, you know, <clears throat> Prince goes out, he gets to deal with Warner Brothers, with the For You. He's going to have you guys in. Was there, Was he always saying, yo, you guys are going to be my tour band, we're going to do this together, just to make sure that no in. one bounced? Like, Because it was on you guys, which part? Because, yeah, I mean, you're, I mean. Well, saying who, who was in the band. There was no band when the first one, For You, was right. done. But afterwards, because you were still close to him, and you mm-hmm. guys were going to make it together, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. was there a promise like, "Hey, you know, and I take care of you. Don't worry, I'll be having a band eventually, and you're going to be in it." No, <laughs> there wasn't no. talk of that. No, 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 no. It wasn't. Okay, it wasn't even like that. No, um, there was no promise. It was like he asked me if uh, I would play in his band, and uh, right, and um, yeah, it wasn't because I never, I mean, I never ever thought I would play in somebody's band. That mm-hmm. just was never an idea. That it was never a dream I had. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so that was, and even how that even came about is mm-hmm. a whole nother story. But, um, but once he did get a record deal, he right. was like, man, I, you, you gotta be in my band. Right. And I was like, uh, and I told him the same thing. I said, man, I never grew up thinking, said, oh, one day I want to be in somebody's band, you know? Um, right. but you know, so we worked it out. I, I said, look, you know, you're doing a three album deal. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm good. Three albums. That'd be enough for you to get, you know, obviously get started and get good and on your way and established and, you know, and right. then, you know, you can, you know, find any, you know, anybody to kind of do whatever you need them to do. So right. it was kind of more like that. Then you did eventually, obviously, join his band. Yeah. No, that's, that's your own thing. when I said, right. yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I just want to make sure for all the people trying to rewrite history that they're getting stuff right. Yeah, exactly. Because there, you know, so there is a lot of people. And, and, and I got to tell you, Matt, it's starting to become really annoying. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, people can try to rewrite history, but I'm telling you right now, I am going to check you, you know, and you're going to feel bad when I tell you. And these are people who really should know better than to be writing, re- rewriting history because right. if they know anything about me, and I think they do know me pretty good, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell them, that's not right. You weren't there. If right. you weren't there, there's no re- reason to try to write yourself. It's not like everybody that did what they did wasn't important. Right. You know, all those people, you know, the revolution, they were important. You know, they were mm-hmm. very important. You know, everybody that was that came when they came into that part of whatever, you know, I mean, they were important, you know. Right. I mean, to, you know, to Prince's narrative and to Prince's music and to his, you know, to what he gone went on and did. And I don't think anybody has to, you know, sort of embellish their situation. It is what right. it is. I mean, I'm, you know, I was in when I was in, and it was great when you know, when we did it. It was great to be a part of the beginning, and I feel very proud. I feel very mm-hmm. much like I had, you know, whatever, you know, you, people want to say, however little, however much, you know, it doesn't really matter as far as I'm concerned because I know what I did. Right. You know, he knew what I did, you know, and he said it, and it's it's very clear. So I think, you know, 
I would love for people to, you know, just stick to reality. Because right. I'd hate to have to go back and just say, because I will, go back and say, you know what? That's some bullshit. And you know right. it's some bullshit. Don't make me have to, you know, show you. Because, you know, the other thing that people don't understand is not only do I have pictures and everything else chronicling a lot of this stuff, but we had d- did a documentary like, you know, over almost a decade ago interviewing a lot of these people that are now changing. And I have all of that stuff on video, on, on tape. <laughs> so it's like I have proof. Right. You know, so it's, let's just, you know, because I think Prince deserves reality i think prince fans deserve reality and, and he's got amazing amazing fans and people who really really you know right. deserve to you know have honesty and that's the main thing these stories are great without people having to embellish or make up stuff if you were a part of him at any point your story is unique and different just keep it the way it is don't change history yeah you right. know that's what we need now Talking about the first band, do you remember the first show at the Capri in mm-hmm. 1979? Mm-hmm. How did that go for you? Because we, we, we've seen the reviews, but we never had to hear from someone that actually played that night with everyone. How did you guys think you were? Well, a couple of things you have, you have to think about, you know, because, you know, what maybe people don't understand or didn't understand, you know, that was his first time. Um, that was his first time doing a show where it was a Prince show. And and when we were in Grand Central, there was nobody in front. You know what I mean? There was no front man. It wasn't like, he wasn't our front man or anything like that. You know, I sang lead, he sang lead, William, our percussionist, sang lead. Morris would come from behind the drums and sing Love Won't Let Me Wait. <laughs> you know, one song, maybe two. Right. I mean, but that was it. And nobody was in front. There was no lead kind mm-hmm. of thing. So when we did the Capri... It was his first time actually being in the front. Right. And he completely got stage fright. Huh. I mean, I looked at the side of the stage because we started a song. I looked at the side of the stage and he was over there and he was just stiff. And I'm like, and I knew right away, obviously, because, you know, I mean, you know, I'm like, what's wrong? Something's wrong. I wow. thought something had happened. And I looked, you know, and he was just standing there and I'm like, and I was like nodding to him, like, come on, man. And he was like totally like had this blank look in his in his eye, you know, I'm like, you know, and I literally had to kind of go over there and go, come on, man. And so finally he just sort of snapped out of it and he came and jumped on stage and, you know, and, you know, it was, I thought it was great. I mean, you know, I know that they, you know, they reviewed it and said it wasn't great, but, you know, right. I think obviously it was his first time mm-hmm. doing his own thing, doing, you know, doing him, you know, being his first time, you know, sort of trying to find out what he wanted to do, what works, what doesn't work, and and being a front man, you know, because being a front man is not an easy gig. You know, it takes it takes a minute to sort of get your, you know, to, fi- you know, figure out how you got to, you know, work with people, work with the audience. It's one thing if you got other people, you know, which is how we used to have in Grand Central, because, you know, I mean, you know, I'd be working my side of the stage, he'd be working his side of the stage, and right. you didn't have the, you know, the responsibility wasn't all on your shoulders. This was the first time it was all on his shoulders, but I thought it was great. Right. Then you guys had your first TV appearance. Well, second, it just depends, because sometimes people think Midnight Special was the first one in American Bandstand, but the most major one, obviously, was Dick Clark's American Bandstand. Right. I heard from other people, and we know that Prince would talk to them a different way than he would talk to you. I'm hearing that. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like Des Dickerson said that whole thing was planned on American Bandstand to kind of be a little bit rude to Dick Clark and come off as standoffish. 
you, he didn't talk to you about that though before. Yeah, I don't right? remember him saying that. I mean, very well could have been, I might have been somewhere, I might have uh-huh. met some young lady somewhere because <laughs> I, you know, I would, right. you know, I would drift and wouldn't be always, you know, where everybody was. But, um, but I've heard that and I, and I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, I, you know, I wasn't there, so it's hard for me to say. Right. I just know that, you know, I just know when it happened, I was like, okay. And, uh, and then Dick Clark came over to me, like, you know, like asking me, like, why did he do that? Why did he, you know, I'm like, you know, he's right there. Why don't you ask him? I mean, what, you know, right. I'm like, you know, and, and I got to know Dick Clark through the years. Cause I, I went on there with myself and I went on there with Jody and I'd uh-huh. gone on there a few times and, uh, I'd gotten a chance to kind of get to know him, and we talked about it even again, you know, after that. And, right. And I just said, hey, you know, I mean, the only thing I can think of, you know, because if you look at it, he's holding up his fingers, his hands are kind of shaking. He's nervous. Right. I mean, that's, uh-huh. a, that's a pretty major thing if you think about it. I mean, we're, right. we're from Minneapolis, you know. I mean, you know, first of all, we weren't even supposed to get off the city block. Everybody in the neighborhood was like, you guys are never going to get off the city block. We got off the city block, and right. there we were on, you know, American Bandstand, that was like, you don't really right. get much at that point bigger than that. And so right. that was a big deal. And so he wanted to do it his way, and, and he did. And I think that, um, you know, in retrospect, it's it's genius. Because I right. think, you know, for one thing, people always remember it, they always talk about it, and it's always, you know, I mean, and so, you know, if he told Des, that's great, you know, and Des, Des said that he told him, and I think he, you know, if he, I mean, I'm, I'm me, you know, and, and right. I tend to, you know, be off in my own space. So. Right. And Dick Clark had a huge appreciation for Prince. Even mm-hmm. after that appearance, mm-hmm. he followed his career and was just always blown away that he wanted to take on these things himself and how he would, when they were doing Purple Rain at the American Music Awards 1985, how Prince was kind of like wondering how he was going to enter and what they were going to do mm-hmm. when the other artists just didn't care. And he was mm-hmm. just loving that. He was just taking yeah. that time yeah. to figure it out. So Dick Clark knew what was up, even if he felt he was being a little bit rude or shy well, or however he, it came across. He got to understand, you know, because I think when you get to know Prince and you get to understand, he just thinks about stuff. You know, right. other people generally don't think about, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm the let's just do it. Mm. He's the knows what the it is. He'll sit there and go, well, let's do it, but let's do it like this. Right. And, you know, I mean, you know, which is, you got to have that. You got to have both of those, you know, because without, you know, one without the other doesn't really work, and, you know. But if you got both of them, it's a beautiful thing. Now, speaking of thinking of things to do, who came up with the plastic pants on American Bandstand? Who came up with it? <laughs> There's not a came up with. I, I, I came up, I ran across them in, in D.C., and I was like, oh, I'm rocking these. <laughs> yeah, and so I tried to find as many pairs as I could because it wasn't a, you know, I mean, you know, people have this concept that Prince somehow or another, you know, dialed everybody up. I don't know, I know he dialed a lot of them up right. because they needed it, you know, um, but I didn't need to be dialed up. I was like very much my own person, still am. You know, I, I think I paid more attention to fashion than he did. In fact, right. it was my sister who made a lot of those outfits and the trench coats. And the trench coat was something that I was rocking back before the trench coats became a thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so, you know, nobody dressed me. Nobody gave me my name. My name is my name, except right. my, my nephew spelled his a little different, but mine is is what it is. So, I mean, I just yeah. want people to understand, you know, because, you know, people have twisted things around. And I'm, you know, <laughs> which is part of the reason why, you know, I think, I just think that it's good for people to understand. You know, right. I'm always me. I've always been me. 
and we obviously started together and you know what he went on and did was right. unbelievably and an amazing you know feat to be able to come from cuz believe me I understand where we came from right. you know we were eating government cheese you know right. so you know you don't really you know people that are in that kind of situation together you know you you are you are who you are right and, and I think that uh, you get to know people in the very core from the in, you know their very core so we just want to make pe- make sure people know that that you were picking out your own stuff. It wasn't yeah, no. how other for other artists how he would with their name and their outfits. You had your own image that you were going for and allowed to do. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and if you really you know do your homework, you can see because if you you know because there's it, there's pictures. There's you mm-hmm. know I mean because I was doing clear pants. I mean what I did them on American Benson. I did them. You know, we did the gig at the Rocks. It was a gig at the Rocks. It was the first time he went from his spandex and what he was wearing then to the underwear huh. because they actually had asked me to not wear clear pants. And I'm like, I wear whatever I want to wear, wow. you know. And, you know, they wanted me to wear less makeup. And I'm like, you know. And I was like, look, if you guys want to do this and me not be here because I, mm-hmm. I can bounce. You know, no, 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 no. Because it, it wasn't him. Well, I don't think it was him. But it was the right. management at the time that, you know, came and started asking me to, like, change. I'm like, look, I am me. Nope, I'm not right. changing. If you guys want to get somebody else, I'm absolutely good with that. I said, but if you want me playing in this situation, then I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Right. You know, and the, the day that I can't is the day that I'm, I'm out. So, anyway. Um, and this is why I want people to know it. Because one of the questions when we were doing Facebook Live, someone asked if you guys have ever done a song together. And if they're asking that, then they don't know that you were with him for a very long time. Yeah. You're doing quite a lot of stuff yeah, together, I mean, yeah. a few tours here and there. Now, as you saw kind of like more critical acclaim that he got mm-hmm. around Dirty Mind and for the Dirty Mind tour, and you start seeing a little bit more of the audience changing, mm-hmm. what, do you, what are your thoughts going through your head when you're getting there and now you're playing? I believe you also played in Paris mm-hmm. overseas. Yeah. How are all those things coming together, and and how happy were you touring at that time? It was weird because I had already quit. Um, yeah, um, uh, but I did the European thing just mm-hmm. out of friendship because you know some you know we had had some issues and had some things and um, but you know I said hey listen you know right like you know uh, right before we did Saturday Night Live is when I you know officially was like uh, I'm out. And, uh, but, you know, I said, look, I'm, I'll do that and do the European thing. And then, you know, and then, you know, I mean, you know, again, people like to rewrite history, but right. I wound up seeing, you know, a bass player and said, you might want to go check this guy out. And that guy wound up being a bass player. But right. people tell a whole different story. And maybe it was different. I have no idea. All I know is that's what I did because I didn't want to leave because he was still my friend. Right. I didn't want to leave him and just go, you know, with nothing. So, you know, I literally searched, looked, went to some clubs in Minneapolis, saw a guy that had the same kind of similar style and gave him a heads up. Hmm. Now, if it isn't too personal ask, what what made you want to quit? You know, to be honest with you, for one thing, it's three albums. For oh. another thing, it was just I felt like, you know, I was becoming you know, it was I was losing my identity, you know what right. I mean? It was like because we were so close, you know, and there's a lot of me. I, th- I feel like there's a lot of me and what was going on at the time. And I just felt like, you know, I, I wanted to, before it became, 
you know, too far, you know, and, and maybe it had, it's hard to say, you know, but mm-hmm. I just, I never thought about it like that before until that point. And I thought, you know what, um, you know, he's doing good. He's going to be fine. You know, he's, right. things are going, things are taking off, things are starting to blow up, you know, um, and I just need to see if there's a place for me to do what I need to do, you right. know, um, and, you know, because I was always writing my own music. I was always doing my own thing. And like I said, I never thought I was going to be in somebody else's band not doing my own thing. In fact, right. you know, he, you know, if anybody knows that, you know, it would be him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, because he knew me better than anybody else, you know. Right. So, so yeah. So that's... And he was cool with that and he supported it or... Mm, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I would right. say you'd have to ask him, but you know, obviously, yeah. you know, I mean, because I stopped doing interviews because, you know, back in what eighty five, I guess, um, mm. and for a long time I didn't do them for twenty some years because I just, you know, people would always ask me stuff that I thought they should ask him, you right. know, and every, you know, for me, ask him, right? You know, dude is very articulate. He can talk, he can talk circles around most people I know. Go right. ask him anything you want to know about whatever you are asking me right. about him, um, but obviously, you know. It's 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 different, and I, you know, I mean, because I would love to be able to have him answer questions, especially you know, because right. he knows he knows what you know, and I would love to hear his you know his his uh, interpretation. Right. But um. But yeah, I mean, I'm not sure where you're. You know what? Uh, yeah, because you know, I mean, I think the reality is, you know, I think with anybody, any friends uh-huh. that have like a really serious friendship, you know. Uh-huh. At some point, you know, you go, you know what, it's that time, you know, and right. you, you got to make a move. And, you know, I mean, in some ways, I think he totally, you know, respected where I was coming from. And I, I found out, obviously, years later that he respected where I was coming from and what I was right. trying to do. Um, but I think re- really, I think when it was happening, you know, he just wanted things to be the way he wanted them to be. But, you know, I mean, it's, it's you know, I mean, we all are living and breathing and doing our thing. Right. You know, and as much as I loved him and, and, and still love him, you know, I think that, you know, it's it's important mm-hmm. for everybody to be themselves, you know. And I'm just, I was always myself. I'm always going to be myself. I was definitely myself then, you know. Um, and, you know, and you got to hope that people respect that because if they don't, you know, there's not much you can do about that. That's their problem. Right. And so you just got to keep it moving, you know. And so, yeah. And for some people who may not know, aside from the purple heads, I'm going to call them, hmm. the Doomy Baby mm-hmm. story, that was your song, right? Or well, you came up with it in practice <laughs> or rehearsals? Well, here, here's the thing. Um, uh-huh. We... Uh, we went to do. Everybody knows Peppy Willie, I assume. You know, in, in '94 East and former managers, okay, or whatnot. At the beginning, I right? Know, yeah, I, I didn't know he was a manager, but oh, no. I made from me. Um, from it, uh, but I know that he was a he's a musician. He was an artist, and he was. Right. Um, he's a he's he's somebody who, you know, puts things together, and he's a really smart dude, and and mm-hmm. knew a lot about a lot more about the music business than we did at the t- at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, but you know, after Prince's first album. Um, he, uh, his, his uncle is in Little Anthony and Imperials. Hmm. And so he had asked, you know, Prince and myself if we wanted to write some songs for him, you know. And um, we we're like, yeah, you know, because this was like, you know, we can make some money because obviously we, you know, at the time we didn't really have a lot of money. It was like, yeah, the record deal, right. but, you know, spent the money making the album and, you know, we were kind of, you know, didn't have a lot, of, a lot of money. So we were trying to figure out, okay, how can we make some money while we're you right. know, trying to get things going? And so we wound up going out there to do that. 
Um, and I wrote this song, you know, um, that has these sort of this bass line and this other stuff and blah, 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 blah. And so that was going to be one of the songs. And, you know, I mean, he had written some songs. And, and oddly enough, I mean, Feel For You was one of the songs, you know, that was, uh, that was written for that particular project. Um, there was another mm. song that we wrote because uh, we were staying at the Sheridan um, that, was, um, that wound up becoming, I think, a song that was on one of his albums. And I don't know if it was, uh, I can't remember what it was. But, um, but anyway, so that song wound up sort of somehow, you know, I'd, it they wound up we wound up not doing it and then that whole trip became sort of a, a mess and so we wound up back in Minneapolis and I had you know forgot about the song to be honest with you I you know, it didn't work for that and you know at the time I had written it for a girlfriend and all that kind of stuff originally and and so when I heard the song I was like wow that's uh interesting when I heard do me baby and you know and Peppy and some of the other people that were around because they're the ones that I gave the song to. And they were like, um, I think that's, they're the ones who made a bigger deal out of it really than I, because, mm-hmm. you know, my thing is, you know, at the time we had written so much stuff together that I never really thought about. And I didn't really understand publishing and all that other kind of stuff. I was very naive as to how all that kind of stuff worked at that particular time. Right. And, you know, I just didn't look at it like, you know, and I still don't look at it like that, you know, because, um, you know, it's, you know, it's hard to, you know, you, I, I just, you know, I don't, I don't want to think at all that anything like that could be possible, right. you know, and I didn't want to think that then. I, I really don't even want to go there now because it doesn't really matter because um, he's an amazing songwriter. There's a million songs right. he's written that are great songs. That song's a great song. If, you know, it's, you know, um, it's just not, you know, it, do, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Right. You know, um, and it's not, you know, and, and the thing is, is that there's recordings of it. You know, I have recordings of it, of the song that I did. Um, uh-huh. I know Pepe probably, you know, he may still have a recording of it. I know the girlfriend that I wrote it for at the time has a copy of it. She wanted to write a book. You know, so it's wow. like, you know, but it's, you know, I mean, you know, really, I, you know, I never, you know, I never made an issue of it because it was never right. an issue for me. I think it was more of an issue for other people. Other people made an issue and talked uh-huh. about it. That's how it even became an issue. I never went out and said, oh, this, that, that, and, you know. I mean, there's songs that I've probably written that Prince could say he did, you know, something, you know, part of that is a song that, you know, I mean, right. and I just never, you know, I think when you're boys like that, when you're close like that, things uh-huh. like that can happen, you know, and I don't think you do it maliciously, right. you know. I mean, I hope, you know, I want to hope and want to think that people don't do things like that maliciously, but right. bottom line is, you know, I just, I just kept it moving, you know, and... Uh-huh. You know, um, and, you know, I left it to other people. There were other issues that came up, you know, but I never got into it. You know, I mean, it was other people in the band that said, you know, that Andre played me a song that, you know, was like in that song, you know. Hmm. But I was like, you know what? I think, again, you know, because we were so close, I think, you know, people who didn't know how close we were that came into, you know, that we came into contact with or came into contact with us, you know, they really didn't know our dynamic, you right. know, and so, you know, I think maybe that was a little bit what was going on. Right. Andre Simone getting deep with us, getting in depth wow. with the whole Doomy Baby controversy. Quote that unquote. is crazy. Wow. Oh, 
Wow. That's just part one. We're going to get a part two and how the dance electric and everything came to be. And Oh, my God. My mind is blown. I loved it. Can't wait for you guys to hear part two. I need to listen to that again. Yes. <laughs> Thank you guys <laughs> so much uh, for listening, for subscribing, oh for telling people about us, for donating. Much love. Part two of Andre is our next episode. Done. Keep it funky. Yeah.